Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb. I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I'm happy that you have joined our program for today. I remind you that we do have a website. If you have not visited already, you may go to marshillcoc.org www.marshillcoc.org, and we have several resources on there for you to take advantage of. Uh, We have information about our congregation, uh, about this radio program, and other ways that you might listen. Uh, If you are listening through TGRN, uh, you can also listen to this as a podcast, and there's a link on our website for that. And there's also a place at the bottom of our website where you can send us a message, the bottom of the the home page where you can send us a message. And we would love to hear from you. You can call us at the building, um, but we would, again, love to hear from you. Any comments, any questions that you might have, any way that we might can help you, we would be glad to do so. Uh, So feel free to contact us. Um, Feel free to take advantage of the website. Our lesson for today continues our study of storms, and I figured that since we were just talking about Jonah, and one of the things that we did with Jonah is we paralleled Jonah with the calming of the storm in the New Testament, when Jesus calmed the storm. And so today we're going to look at the parallel. We're going to look at how Jesus calmed the storm and see what we can learn about storms. Storms of life, which is kind of what we're talking about, may come in different forms. For instance, Jonah's storm was a storm of his own making. There was no storm as long as he was following God. Uh, In a general sense, there was no storm. Did Jonah have difficulties in life? I'm sure he did. Uh, But as far as this great storm, there wasn't one until he set out on a different direction from the one in which God had sent him. God sent him to Nineveh. And he instead went for Tarshish, and and the rest is history. We see that uh, he ends up being thrown from the ship because of the great storm. And he knows, and he tells the men that he is the cause of the storm. They do not believe him. They are hesitant to throw him overboard. But when they realize that they really have no other choice, then they do exactly as he told them they should. He ends up in the belly of a great fish. What kind of fish? We don't know. We often uh, surmise that it must be a whale, but it also could have been a fish that we are not aware of today. Maybe a fish that doesn't exist today. Uh, But either way, it was a great fish, and that's what we're told in Scripture He ended up in the belly of that fish for three days before he was spit out. 
three days, three days. It's very interesting. Uh, I do have somewhat of a devotional that is based on three days, but you know, we think also of Paul, whenever he had had the great encounter that we read of a couple of weeks ago, it was three days that he was without sight before Ananias was sent to him to teach him the gospel and to teach him what he needed to do. Jonah had three days, three days in which to ponder his actions, three days in which to pray and to repent. And Jonah did exactly as God told him uh, after that. And we do read some other things about uh, the way that Nineveh, that Nineveh responded and the way that Jonah responded to Nineveh's response. But uh, again, uh, just looking at, at this story, there is a parallel here in some of the things that happened, such as the fact that Jonah was sleeping in the ship as the Lord was sleeping, but for a very different reason, as we will notice in our study today. But we'll we'll save our discussion for a moment because we want to offer to God a word of prayer. So if you would, bow with me. Our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings that you have given to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for our time together, for the ability that we have to study your word together, to open it up and to understand it. And we pray, Father, that you would be with us, that you would bless us in our understanding. Help us to grow. Help us to mature as Christians. Help us to uh, to be of the mindset and to have the right heart to carry the word into the world, to a world of darkness, a world that so desperately needs you. We pray, Father, that you would bless our example also, Help us to live in accordance with your will and forgive us for our sins. We pray that you would continue to bless us throughout our lives, that you would give us safety today. May we always remain in your care. And it is through Jesus that we humbly pray. Amen. Our subject for today, I've titled, Where to Go in Time of Storm. Again, we have different storms that we face. Uh, as in Jonah, they can be storms of our own making. Uh, they may be storms of consequences, maybe not just for our actions, but maybe for, for the actions of others. Uh, maybe something that they have done that has affected our lives. There are different ways that storms might affect us, but we need to understand where to go in time of storm. And so I want to turn your attention today. We're going to use the text from Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 35 through 41. Mark 4, 35 through 41. And you might want to jot these other passages down. Uh, there are a couple of other places in the Gospels in which this story is found although not with as much detail. Uh, they're, they're not as long as what Mark has, which is kind of odd because usually it's the other way around. 
usually Luke and Matthew have the greater detail. But in this reference, uh, we find that Mark uh, is a little bit longer than the others. But the other scriptures are Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27. Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27. And also Luke 8, verses 22 through 25. Luke 8, verses 22 through 25. But we turn our attention to Mark and what Mark has to say about this event about what is happening here. In Mark chapter 4, we begin reading in verse 35. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Uh, Jesus had spent a day teaching and preaching. And and so he had spent a great deal of time in doing that. And so as they're going to the other side, we find him sleeping. Verse 36, now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with them. And we find a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling I remember in studies in, in time past where we talked about how um, the the hills and the mountains around would cause the the wind to come down into a sort of a valley in the, the water. And so a windstorm was created by the, I guess, the heat and the cold mixing together, and it would create a great storm. And so that's exactly what we find is happening here. A great windstorm has arisen and the waves are beating into the boat so that it was already filling. And maybe it was even close to the point of sinking, uh, but the waves are beating into the boat. And it's a very scary time for the disciples. And yet, In the midst of all of this storm, in the midst of everything that is happening, Jesus is sleeping. How might he be sleeping in this storm? We're going to talk about that in a moment. But we do find him sleeping. I'm sure tired from a very busy day of of teaching that can take a lot out of someone. I know uh, from a personal standpoint, when I think of of Sundays and and how <coughs> excuse me how they affect me as a preacher, I find that uh, on Sundays it can be a very tiring thing to have to maybe teach a Bible class. Um, I usually don't have to do that on Sundays. Usually we have someone else that will teach the Bible class. Uh, but I do have two lessons, and just for me, the preparation of those lessons and then the presentation of those lessons, it can take a lot out of an individual. And so with Jesus, maybe he didn't have to prepare like we do, but just teaching and preaching to a crowd um, 
and and maybe doing other things also. Uh, we consider the the events of the day, and he comes to the very end of it, and he's tired. He's very tired. And sometimes when you're very tired from a human standpoint, maybe it is that you recognize that you can sleep through a storm. You know, we hear uh, people that, that maybe sleep through a great storm such as a tornado or something of that nature, and maybe they don't realize that it has gone through. Uh, maybe their house is unharmed, but, but they, uh, they don't, don't notice it. Uh, I, I know sometimes we have slept through weather alarms and things of that nature. Maybe you've done the same. Uh, but either way, coming to the end of a day, we can be very tired. And we can imagine that Jesus might have been tired. Although I think there's another reason that he is able to sleep because he really has nothing to fear. He has his full faith and trust in the power of God. Uh, and so even as the son of God, we see him in a situation of reliance upon God, his father, the one for whom he is serving, the one who he is ministering for. Um, he is ministering to the people on God's behalf. He is working under God's will, and he says that often. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said to one another, Who can this be, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who can this be? We're going to talk about who this is. As we go back and we look at the events of Mark chapter 4, I, I want to bring out three main points and then draw them to a conclusion. First of all, I want you to notice that in the course of these events, that the storm came upon the disciples, and upon Jesus, even though Jesus was present with them. I want you to notice that God doesn't place Jesus in some kind of a, a hedge where he is unaffected by the events of humanity. That's one of the great things that we learn about Jesus, about him coming to earth is that he took on all the forms of temptation and trouble and sorrow that we face today. It's a great example for us because we can learn from his example and how he overcame those things, how he did not allow those things to 
affect his faith. Jesus, even being the Son of God, exhibits a great deal of faith. He puts his trust in God the Father. He puts his trust in him in regard to all situations that affect his life on earth. He puts his faith in God whenever he goes to the garden and whenever he prays. I don't want to do this. I don't want to die on the cross. I don't want to go through with this plan. And if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. And of course, I am paraphrasing. uh, But basically, that is the sentiment that Jesus expresses to God the Father. I am here to do your will. And I will do your will. But if there is any other way, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but thine be done. Jesus put his faith in God, in the plan that had been placed, even from the beginning of creation, so that man could have salvation, but he put his faith in God. And in every instance of his life, he does the same. And I see him here even putting his faith in God. God doesn't stop the storm because Jesus is there. The storm still comes even in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is there with his disciples. And the storm comes about them, just as it comes upon Jesus. And of course, they are are greatly affected by that. And they feared for their lives. And I think any of us would do the same. So before we start pointing the finger and saying like, Jesus, oh, you have little faith. Why are you fearful? Why are you so afraid? We need to look back at ourselves and realize that we would probably be in that same situation if we were there. But the storm came. Even with Jesus present, the storm came. Number two, the disciples turned to the very source of comfort and peace for help. They turned to the right place. They turned to Jesus, not to each other, but they did turn to Jesus. Uh, He had done many great things already. They had heard his teachings and things of that nature. They believed him to be the son of God. And so they turned to the right place. He asked them why they feared, but he did still the storm for them. He stilled the storm. He brought peace in a very dark and difficult situation. When they were overwhelmed, whenever they didn't know what else to do, and often we come into those same situations, but when they were overwhelmed, he quieted their storm. He took upon himself some of the burden that they were bearing, so to speak. 
and he brought peace to the storm that was pressing around them. And number three, I want you to notice that even after Jesus brings peace to the situation, even after he brings peace to the storm, it still says in verse 41 that they feared exceedingly. They feared exceedingly. This is not the same kind of fear that Jesus addresses in verse 40 when he says, why are you so fearful? But there's a different fear that we're talking about in verse 41 when it says that they feared exceedingly. They had seen Jesus bring peace, to speak peace, peace be still to this storm. And now seeing Jesus speak peace to the storm and seeing the storm calmed, they are in fear of the power and authority of Jesus, not afraid, not an afraid kind of fear, but a very respectful kind of fear, a wondering kind of fear. Uh, maybe it is that they stood in awe of Jesus and of his power and authority, but it's certainly not the same kind of fear that was expressed when the storm was pressing in on them. So I want you to keep that in mind going forward. The storm came even with Jesus present. The disciples turned to the very source of comfort and peace for help. And the fear that they are experiencing after Jesus stills the storm is a very different kind of fear. Now I want to bring it into our day and time. And let's see what we can learn from this lesson. Just as the storm came upon the disciples, even in the presence of Jesus, I want you to recognize that storms will come to us as Christians. We had a great experience on Sunday. We actually had someone who had made the decision to be baptized for the remission of his sins. And of course, uh, we rejoiced with him in that. And it was a great occasion in which he was baptized. And so we were, were very happy about that. Whenever someone is baptized for the remission of their sins, as the reason is stated in Acts 2.38, um, there are many that preach uh, other than that, other reasons for baptism, uh, but the, the reason is for salvation. Uh, those who believe and are baptized will be saved, Mark 16.16. 16. Uh, but he who believes not will be condemned. Um, but even so, in becoming Christians, the point that I want to make is that when we become Christians, there's a great deal of excitement about what lies ahead of us. But for those of us that are Christians, we also recognize 
that it doesn't bring an end to our storms. It doesn't cause the storms in our lives to cease to press in around us, to press in on us. Um, It doesn't cause those storms to completely be gone. We don't experience a life of ease going forward. There's still great burdens for us to bear. The thing is that we don't bear them alone. We bear them with the, the help of brothers and sisters in Christ. And in Christ himself, we find great comfort. Storms will come to us as Christians. Storms will come. Just because we become Christians does not mean that the storms will automatically go away. And it was never promised that. Even in becoming Christians, we are are promised that Satan will try to win us back to serving him. He will try to get us to turn away from God, to turn away from Jesus, and to live life once again in sin. We still face storms, even as Christians. However, just as Jesus was present with the disciples in the middle of the storm, so he is present with us in the middle of our storms. Because we are facing storms of various kinds does not mean that we have been deserted or that we have been neglected by God. It doesn't mean that that we're doing something wrong necessarily. Jesus himself faced temptation on a regular basis. It just means that uh, we are not facing them alone. As Christians, we are not facing those storms alone. Christianity doesn't cause the storms to go away, but we do face the storms with another, with the one who can bring peace to our situation. And that is the third point, that Jesus can and will bring peace to our storms. Maybe not in the way that we expect, but when we pray to God, we can trust that he is going to answer our prayers one way or another. God answers prayers. And comfort and hope can be found in his promises and in his word. So I hope that we see that the lesson for us today is that storms will come. But even when the storms of life come, no matter what they may be, Jesus is with us. God is with us. And he he hasn't left us. And, And that's one of the things that we must remember anytime that we face these kinds of storms. Jesus can bring peace to our situation. Uh, We think of the storm of sin that we might live in before that we become Christians, before we make the decision to become Christians. Jesus isn't with us in those storms because he is not with us in our sin. But when we turn away from our sin, he is with us. We are in Christ and he is with us and he provides salvation. He provides peace. He provides comfort to that situation. 
And, and you could parallel that with just about anything else that we might think of. I came a, a very, across a very interesting few verses that I wanted to share with you as we close our time together. Psalm 107, Psalm 107, verses 23 through 32. Psalm 107 and verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are in or at their wits end. They are at their wits end. Verse 28, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He calms the storm so that its waves are still and they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. And so God will guide us to our desired haven as well. Ultimately, he will guide us into eternity through the end of our lives on earth. I hope this has been a helpful lesson to you, and I look forward to being back with you next Tuesday at 11 a.m. as we study another portion of God's Word together, and I look forward to that opportunity. But until we meet again, may God continue to bless you.